0: Good morning, good morning, my name is Rachel Wortman. if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet today, and uh, we are starting a new series today as we frantically pass, so don't worry, we got a minute, you can keep passing the buckets. Um, we're starting a new series today, and I'm really excited about it. It's a new year, and I can unequivocally tell you that um, here, we, we are, have no intention of preaching a 2020 Vision 2020 here. I've, I'm in a couple of pastor's groups and all the, my friends have been saying, is everybody preaching this is your year for 2020 vision and God wants to bring vision into your life? And I'm like, no, because that's true always. That was never, it's not like God didn't want to do that the last thousand years, you know, now. Now, now you can have vision for your life. Um, no, we're going to be preaching the next couple of weeks actually about our core values here at this house. And um, so we're calling this series Heart of the House, and it's really because we are letting you guys peer behind the curtain a little bit and see where our heart beats and how our heart beats. Here's my hope. If you've been coming for any length of time, my hope is that as we look at these core values, you'll say, well, I already knew that. That's my hope. Because these are our standards. This is what we're shooting for. It's how we are ascribing to be as people, as believers, as a body. And so my hope is as you see that, you go, yeah, I know that. I know that. That's who we are. So just so you know, if you're going, wow, this feels very familiar, that's good. That's the mark that we're shooting to hit. And then as Brandon mentioned, our Vision Sundays are a big deal around here because we really believe that when God gives us a perspective and a focus, then we get to see God do really amazing things. So if you're someone who is looking for a word for your year, uh, I'm the kind of person who every year I get like a one word, I'm going, okay, God, mark this year with something. And then it shapes my thinking. It's what I'm looking for. It's how I get to fuel where I'm going with the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And he does that with the church, too. So it's, um, it's a really exciting time for us. And you're going to love this year's. is all I'm going to say. So a couple of things that um, we didn't mention earlier. On Vision Sunday, we give out new shirts. So if you're like, wow, I need a Bethel T-shirt. Everybody was going to sleep last night thinking, you know what I need in my life? I need a shirt that says Bethel. Okay, so you're going to get one. Uh, they'll be for sale. And we also give heavily discounted resources. So we've picked four books that go along with the theme of this year. And we buy them and then we sell them to you for like a third of the price. So they're dirt cheap compared to what you could buy them anywhere else. It's sort of our investment as a church into our people. They're, they're books that pertain to what God is speaking for us for the year. So come, you know, if you're on a spending freeze for January, I know a lot of people do that, uh, just be like putting a little bit of money aside as an investment into yourself. So it's not like frivolous spending, it's seed money into yourself. All right, I'm going to pray as we get started. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here, and Lord, that you just still have so much you want to do in our hearts. So I'm asking God right now for soft hearts, for... uh, minds to hear your word, and Lord, that we would be inspired by how your word um, shapes us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, core values. All right. I don't know if you're familiar. Anybody familiar with core values? Let me put it this way. Does anybody have core values in your home? Is anybody like that good about it? One, two, three, maybe. That's great, power to you. Uh, Sometimes we think core values only have to do with businesses or organizations. We personally believe the church is not a business. It's sort of like a living organization. It's more like a family than a business anyway. But core values are really important, and here's why. I'm gonna give you two of my personal core values with our family. Um, It helps you shape your actions and the way you think. So in our home, with our family as a whole, one of our core values is no complaining. So, uh, you know, I know that everybody might think that's yours. We have some friends that are like, that's not, literally, they would say, that's not my core value. And I'm going, how do you live by just letting your kids complain all the time? But hey, you know, Permission. To do you uh and so in our home we have a no complaining rule one because it's biblical bible tells us not to complain and two because as adults it's just too much sometimes right so it doesn't mean that you can't be negative if you're having a bad day the way we look at it is we tell our kids listen you have you're frustrated about something let it out and now we make peace and we move on so when we've decided we're moving on we don't just keep rehashing right all the parents are like amen if you need a core value for a family You're free to borrow that one. Um, And it's great, and it's it's the ethos of who we are. Does that make sense? So when something is going really wrong, when we're at the store and all four of my kids are wanting me to buy them something and Christmas was two days ago, then I say no, and then they know there's a no complaining rule. So when they start to complain, because they're not perfect, they're kids, right? They start to complain and then I get to tell them, remember who we are, Simba. (laughs) We are not complainers, right? Wortmans don't whine, that's one of our, our catchphrases. And it, it sets the standard of where we're going, okay? Um, here's another one. In our marriage, we have a core value of resolve. So that doesn't mean we don't fight, because if you know me at all, I have a tendency to challenge things from time to time. Um, but we don't. But resolve is a really big deal to us. So even before we got married, we decided this is who we are. Whether we fight or not about something, we will always come to a place of resolving whatever conflict exists. Now, if you've been married for any length of time, you know resolve doesn't always happen in the argument itself, right? Sometimes it takes some time, but we're committed deep in our hearts. This is a core value to us. So in all the ups and downs of our 15-plus years, years of marriage and all the times where we've been really the model uh, imagery of what it looks like to conflict well and the imagery of if you found out some of the things that we fought about we would be humiliated in front of all of you and everything in between resolve has been a staple to us because it's one of our values does that make sense so when I'm talking about core values I'm talking about these are the things that when we draw a line in the sand This is who we are. We will live and die at this place. This is our standard of living. This is where our heart beats. Now you guys are ready to find out what they are, right? So um, before I tell you what they are, I want to say one more thing about it. Here we have uh, three components to the way we view church life. So the first one is we have a mission, and our mission is... Bringing Heaven's Ways to Earth. You guys familiar with that? Have you heard us say that? If you're one of our uh, team volunteers, you've got a, a water bottle. Hold it up, Adela. I saw you have yours. And it says, in Oklahoma, as it is in heaven, this is branching off of our Bringing Heaven's Ways to Earth motto. It's our mission. This is what we exist as a church to do, to look at what God is doing in the heavens and make it happen here on earth. Amen. And that's our mission. And then we have a strategy of how we go about doing that. That's our four pillars, if you're familiar with that. Love, prayer and worship, equipping and releasing, and God's radical heart for rescue. There's lots of recordings on our podcast about those topics. And then, so that's our strategy. That's like how we go about bringing personal and cultural transformation. But who we are, that's our values. Amen? Amen. So here we go. Today we're tackling number one. I'm going to put all five on the screen for you so you can see them. But the first one is, His presence is everything. So turn to your neighbor and say, His presence is everything. This is our first and foremost most important core value, and we 're going to spend today talking about why and what this looks like. The second one is we do what we say, and then we have we are family, we have fun, and we don't settle. Amen. all right, so I don 't know if you guys are surprised by any of those. I hope not. yeah, take a picture, write it down. good thing to memorize if you 're one of our um, if you love to help us do what we 're doing here, volunteering and serving and all that. Um, so in the next two weeks we 're going to be diving into the rest of the four, but today we 're looking at his presence is everything. His presence is everything. And I want us to look at Exodus 33, 15, as we dive into this. And I've actually been sharing out of this passage the last couple of uh, months in our prophetic times in worship. And so you're familiar with the moment when Moses said to God, I want to see your glory and God let his goodness pass before him. This is what happened right before that. Okay. And so right before that, Moses and God are having this conversation and God is talking to them, to him about leading his people into rest and into the promised land. And Moses makes this statement. He said, and he said, uh, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him this is moses speaking if your presence will not go with me do not bring us up from here what is he saying he's saying listen i don't care whether i get to the promised land where all the milk and honey is if you're not with me you are the source of life you are what brings me goodness if you're with me i can be in the wilderness till the rest of my life that's what moses is saying there's something about the value of who god is that moses was able to tap into all these years ago it, it's like an omen to us, it's like a prophetic picture. It's, it's like a mysterious something we can lean in and go closer to and say, if Moses was willing to forego the promised land, forego the gentle rest of the rest of his life, to be with God, how good must God be? And this is in the old covenant, guys. This, Moses didn't even know what it was like to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in him. So how much better is it for us? His presence is everything. I love this in Moses and his, his sort of statement of saying, listen, it's you and me, God. Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 63 that talks about being energized in the presence of God. All throughout Scripture, there's this echoing that when we are with God, everything is better. You can be in the fire. We sang this this morning. You can be in the valley. You can be in the worst part of your life. But if God is there, it's good. It's no longer bad. His presence is everything. There's an interesting verse in 2 Chronicles 5, 13, and 14. I don't have it on the screen for you, but it's a story of uh, a worship setting happening in the temple, and they're uh, on trumpets and cymbals and tambourines, and, and everybody was singing these praises to God, and then the cloud of God's glory came in, and the priest couldn't even get up to minister anymore, and it was like church was suspended. And I was thinking about that verse as the Lord was talking to me about this Sunday, And I was thinking, what would that be like if all of a sudden a cloud just came in and we were all just, we couldn't get up and church had to stop? And there's something in us that might think, oh, that would be bad because we're supposed to do this job. But there's this thing about God's presence where when we settle, your presence is everything to me, then the pattern of our life doesn't really matter when He is present. Does that make sense? Let me illuminate this to you in a different way. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I just have the end of it on the screen, but this is the story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus is coming into Bethany with his disciples. So he's got basically his youth group on wheels and they're walking in and Martha meets him at the gate, right? And she goes, come to my house. I want to serve you. And, And she invited Jesus to come to bless him. It was a, let me feed you, refuel you, let you kick off your feet for a little while, stay off your feet, you know? And so that was her intention with this. And then we know, if you know this, story at all that um, Mary sits at Jesus's feet and Martha's in the kitchen making stuff happen and she's getting a little bitter because it's you know they invited them to their house and what's Mary doing what's the deal here and Jesus makes this statement but the Lord this is Martha coming and saying Jesus can you check Mary can you tell her to come here help me because you know we invited you here there's work to do And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, there's a cultural thing I want to make sure you guys understand in this, and and it's this. At this day and age, women were not allowed to be taught by rabbis. It was the cultural custom that when a rabbi was teaching, you would actually sit at his feet. That was the, the standard, like you guys are sitting down and I'm standing. It was like that when the rabbi was preaching, you would sit at his feet and that was a clue that you were his disciple. That was the cultural custom. Lots of rabbis in that time, they would pick young guys to invest in and women were forbidden. It was not, they weren't allowed to be taught. So what's happening here is that Jesus begins to teach and Mary finds herself in the presence of her Lord and now that becomes her priority. I'm sure Mary was planning the meal with Martha ahead of time. Like, let's, all the ladies in the room, let's just think about it for a second, right? We all know we're gonna invite a group of hungry teenage boys to the house. Like, We gotta have our stuff together to do that, you know? There's work that's involved in that. And, and Mary gets caught up in the presence. And Martha is going, that's not your priority. Putting this together is your priority. And what is Jesus telling her? No, sweetie. This is the priority being with me. I tell this story because his presence is everything to us. And what was happening in this living room was Jesus was collectively saying, this is how we are as a people. My presence is the most important thing. Sometimes when we're caught up in the presence of God, dinner doesn't make it to the table on time. Sometimes we don't make it to where we're trying to be. Sometimes meetings run late. Sometimes they start early because the presence of God shows up and it's just time to worship. We can't always make God fit into our schedule. Amen? We all know that. And Jesus is saying, what we're doing here is making the declaration. My being with you is the standard. What we want to accomplish, what we're trying to do with our life, that's all good. He wasn't condemning Martha for trying to put out a great hostess spread. He was just saying, listen, you're missing the core of what's happening in this moment. Not for your life. You're not, you know, it wasn't like Martha was doing something wrong. She was doing something absolutely correct culturally. She just wasn't paying attention to the presence in the room. Amen? So when we're talking about his presence being everything to us, this is what we're saying. There are times where, like, let me just be honest. You know, If we're in pre-service prayer and God is doing something and the donuts don't make it in the cups, sometimes that happens. But if his presence is everything to us, then that's a lesser concern. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know if you ever, you know, if, if any of you guys have little kids in the home, um, I've had plenty of moments where, one, one of them I'll tell you in particular, after Bob Jones died, this is a, a weird story, but um, I was listening to this uh, message and somebody was talking about just uh, like asking God to, to minister to you in the same way that God used Bob Jones, right? Like to increase your anointing in that area. And I don't normally, I'm not normally the kind of person who's like, yes, Lord, you know, give, give me all of that. If you know me, you know, that's not really my personality. But I was cleaning and stuff. I had some kids taking a nap and I just had this, this moment right where the presence of God comes in and I just knew, I think I'm supposed to stop and do this ministry time on this recording. This is weird. But I thought, oh well, there's you know, kids are asleep, whatever. And I end up kneeling down in my living room and I end up getting knocked over and I'm laying there and my kids wake up. And they're like, mom, can I have some milk? Can I have some whatever? And I'm going, I was having this really sweet moment with the Lord. And so what do I have to do? I have to make a decision. Are you my priority? This is going to sound a little, a little bizarre. Or is God's presence my priority? So what I started doing with my kids was saying, you got to give me a minute. I know you have no idea what's going on. I look like a crazy person to you, and that's okay. But mom's having a moment with God. God's doing something in me, and that's the priority right now. So your show, your snack, your game, your spill, your whatever, all of that takes second second chair to what's happening in this moment. Does that make sense? This is what it looks like in our daily life to make the decision, you know what? Uh, uh, Honey, I'm I'm on my way home. I got whacked in my car by the Holy Spirit because I was listening to some worship music and I'm gonna be about six minutes late because I just gotta sit here and just be in the presence. And then what we do as a family is we say, that's okay. I'm not gonna hold it against you because you didn't hit some standard because you chose to prioritize his presence. Does that make sense? So his presence is everything. So here's my first question to you is, Do you truly value his presence? Do you truly value his presence? In my opinion, there's two ways to live in life. And we've hit on this a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But there's really two ways. There's the me way. There's the me-centered view. And then there's the God-centered view. And there's two options. And they are not connected. Right? They're two completely different things. If we wanted to put this in biblical terms, we could talk about being led by the spirit or being led by the flesh. And so the me-centered view has a very specific set of priorities and core values. Uh, If we're going to be honest about our core values, like let me just put it this way. Sometimes in our minds, we think core values have to look good on paper. they got to be flashy, they got to be impressive and all those kinds of things. Uh, For some of us, maybe our core value would be like binge-watching TV every night because that's what we like. Like we wouldn't want to put that on paper. You know, what's your core values of your life? Well, number one is three hours of TV every night right? Because we're like, that does not sound correct. But when we're looking at our life and being honest, if that's what we're doing the most, that's something that we value. If we could use that for anything, eating out, eating in, you know, every, every situation you can look at what do you really value based on what's coming out of you. So when we're looking at uh, what we value in a me-centered worldview, there's a couple of things. The first one is we're blown by our emotions. It's like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. Well, I do feel like doing that, right? Well, that's not really me. That's not the me I'm trying to become, and so I'm not going to do that for this month, and the next month I can do that because that will be the me then. We get blown by our emotions. We get, we get to say things like, you know, I don't like this, so I'm not going to do that. It's all about me. What's my opinion? What's my take on it? you guys tracking with me on this? We all know. We've all had moments of being selfish. And the other thing that happens in this worldview is we don't take responsibility for our life. We kind of look and say, I'm not responsible for that. You, that was your fault. I was having a conversation with my kids actually this morning, and we were talking about uh, uh, something from my childhood that I had let them in on, which, you know, is always a bad idea because they always bring it back to you later. And, um, and my daughter said, well, whose fault was that? And I thought, this is really interesting, because I said it was that person's fault that they did that. And, and we were talking about taking ownership of your own actions. And her sense was, as a nine-year-old, was, well, if you're provoked, you're exempt from what happens, right? If you get provoked, what comes out of you, that's not your fault. And I was like, no, hmm, that's not not one of our core values. Uh, That's not how we live our life. That's the truth. When we're in a me-centered worldview, we don't take responsibility for what we do because we have decided it was right or wrong or justified. Amen? But when we are in a God-centered view, it looks like this. I gave my life to you, Jesus, so it no longer belongs to me. Psalm 24, we can put this on the screen. Psalm 24, verse 1, makes it super clear. The earth is the Lord's and Everything in it, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything. The earth is the Lord's. And so we can be over here in this me centered worldview and be like living it up and just enjoying it, but it's not really true. It's not really the way that the world works. The earth is the Lord's. So when we're looking at how we're supposed to be in this life, how to order our life, how to order our days, our personality, our everything, we have to look at the bedrock which is that God is the owner of everything. Your spouse, your person, your children, your family, your job, your car, your house, everything belongs to the Lord. You're just borrowing it. This is a really hard concept. Especially like, you know, we built our house, Grant was like, my number one request is that we don't share a closet. I was like, hmm, what does that say about me? <laughs> right? It's like there's a, there's a point where we say, I, ha- I want to have mine. But when we get saved, when we give our life to Jesus, we come into the understanding that it's all his. And so it doesn't belong to us anymore. So we are now stewards. We're just holding. You're just holding your loved ones. You're just holding your kids momentarily. You're just holding your parents. You're, you see what I'm saying? And so when we're in that perspective, then the questions we ask, the way we look, it looks a little bit like this. Who, who are you being right now, God? I am so confused with my life. I don't have vision. I don't know what's going on. I don't like myself. Who are you in this situation? It stops being about me. It starts being about him. And then it becomes like this. How do you want me to respond in this It's a little bit harder, right? We're in a situation and I'm going, well, I know how I want to respond. And before I do that, I got to stop and say, how do you feel about that, Lord? Am I partnering with you? Am I being led by you? Am I operating my life like I am your temple? Um, How how are you being to me? How am I responding to you? When we're in a difficult situation, the God-centered worldview looks like this. This is God's battle. This is God's issue. He will do something to fix this. And he'll probably tell me to do something to partner with him. Right? Sometimes we get to sit on our couch and let him do his thing. But most of the time, in the sitting on our couch, and the resting, he's going, and now do this and this and this. And that's what brings about the solution we're looking for. It's a different sermon for another time. Um, and the other thing we get to ask is, Lord, how are you growing me into your likeness through what's going on in my life? In the me-centered worldview, we go, I'm not responsible for what just happened. I blew up on you. I said some really mean things. It's not my fault. You provoked me. But in the God-centered view, what we do is we say, how are you tran- transforming me? Why does all of this matter? Because at Bethel, when we say his presence is everything, this is what we're talking about. In every season, in every situation, the benchmark, the standard, the line in the sand is God. It's his presence. What are you doing, Lord? How are you operating in this situation? What the heck is up with this? And how do you want me to position myself? Where can I serve to be helpful? And I'm not trying to say that to like manipulate you or anything. I'm just saying when, we're, when we've given our life over, this is what we do, right? We say, I'm signed up. Point me in the direction of where to put my hands. That's what it looks like to be focused and centered on his presence. I think sometimes when we talk about core values and stuff also, we, we prioritize them in a number form, and that's good. But with this particular value, what we're talking about is it's centered. It's not... Number one comes his presence, and then number two, as if his presence is no longer a factor. It's more of like in the center of everything is Jesus, and then that begins to filter into everything. Because his presence is everything. So, this God-centered view, this is where we need to live, this is where freedom is, this is where surrender is, and all that kind of stuff. Um, A couple of other things I want to note about his presence. It's our guide. It's our foundation, right? It's the central force. It's our compass. It's what directs us. His presence is where the real work is done. I'm like a glutton for self-improvement. I don't know why. It's like, I don't know why I'm like that, but I just love the process of letting God grow me. I think because when you've seen victory so much, it's like you just kind of get addicted to it. Like, what else can you improve in my life, Lord? (laughs) It might might be painful in the moment, but man, you've done so much. I'm just kind of, I want to keep going. Um, And so that's in His presence is where the real work is done. I have seen God maneuver someone that it would take years in counseling and it took 10 seconds in his presence. Because he spoke exactly what you needed at the right time, in the right way, and it coupled with his spirit of understanding and revelation and healing and all of this stuff, and it's like, boom, you're a different person in one moment. I've also seen him in his presence empower people to walk out something that took a year to overcome. It's not always an instantaneous fix, but when we focus on his presence, that's where the real work gets done. Um, it's our life-sustaining source, John 15, when we're abiding in Jesus, abiding in the vine, this is how we do it, it's by staying connected to him. Um, okay, here's, here's something that needs to be said. The presence of God is not just uh, prayer and weeping and heaviness. Did you know that? Sometimes when we think, oh, so his presence is everything, so I'm supposed to just be this really, like, weighty, everything, I, you know, this laborious, like, ah, oh, the presence of God is here. That's, there's a time for that, and that happens, and I love that. But also the presence of God is really fun. Here's my inside tip to you. If you have not discovered the humorous side of the Holy Spirit, make that your goal in 2020. He is the funniest person that you will ever meet. I mean, and I'm being honest. Here's a great example. Earlier in worship, before he gave me that scripture to share, um, my watch started vibrating and I looked at it. It has never said this before. I've had an Apple Watch for quite a while, over a year. And it said, something's amiss, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, hmm, and what might that be, Lord? And he goes, bam, gives me the scripture. And I'm like, okay, great. He's funny. He's humorous. He does things that are really out of the box. Um, Presence of God, we're also talking about fellowship, communion, talking about going out to dinner by yourself because you're there with the Lord and you're actually enjoying it, not feeling awkward. Talking about um, comfort. The presence of God is also learning, right? It's also gaining knowledge. It's not just that. It's not just any one of these things. It's everything because he's everywhere. Amen? And here's the kicker. The presence of God is not just his essence. It's a person. You guys know that. Um, Right before Christmas, I was at Target I don't know what's happened to me, but every time I've been at Target, the last 10 times, so we're going back a few months, I am there when they're restocking and they're cleaning the floors. So you can't get through the aisle, and I'm going, am I here at the same time every day? What is happening? And it's like my experience with Target's been awful. It must be the Lord, now that I think about it, it must be the Lord trying to keep me from being at Target so that I don't spend extra money, so thank you, Lord. But um, this particular moment, there was a woman stocking the shelves, and her essence was very strong. And it was potent, and it was not sweet-smelling. And I walked into the aisle, and before, I mean, she was on the whole other end of the aisle, and I was, like, "Uh," taken aback by her essence. And I thought, oh. And I wanted to not read that on my face, so I was trying to, like, I probably looked like a crazy person trying to come up with a facial expression that was like, hi, I want to be nice to you, but also, wow, that's a lot. And uh, two aisles later, I was still communing with her essence. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of the story because he's funny and weird, and, um, and he reminded me of this, and, and he was talking about how the presence of God is an essence, and it's a person. Sometimes when the presence of God comes in the room, it's not actually his own person, it's his essence. I don't, this is not really theologically sound, it would take me too long to go through all the scriptures, but are you guys tracking with me? Just giving you a metaphor here, okay? So it would be like this. I brought with you, with me today, my favorite candle. This is the Volcano candle. Uh, I love this brand. So if, I, if I'm going to let you guys experience an essence, then I'm going to light this candle, right? The candle itself is the candle. It's the source. But eventually, if I let this burning long enough, the whole room would be filled with the fragrance of this candle. Amen? This is what it's like with Jesus. His person is like this fire. It's like this flame that's burning. And his essence is surrounding us. And we get to decide how engrossed in that flame we're going to be. Because if I'm out in the lobby, I can still experience the essence of the presence of this candle. And it's good. This is a great smell. You're probably all going to want to go buy one as it starts getting over there to you. And it lasts a long time, so plug for a volcano brain. I don't know why I'm saying that. But... Um, But if I let this keep going, right, and you guys can see that flame, it's a different thing to prioritize and say, I love this so much, I'm going to carry it with me everywhere. And when the wax gets going, this is going to sound really morbid, I want to cover myself in the wax, right? I tried to think of a way where I could light a part of myself on fire and I was pretty convinced that that would end really badly. Uh, So I didn't do that. But what I want you guys to understand is we are the ones who decide how close to the presence we want to be. It's not God. He's burning. He's burning in the same place. He's sending out his essence. You know when the candle, like there's different times where it smells stronger and less strong. For some reason it's burning the same, but it's just like a waft of it comes through. That's what it's like with the kingdom, right? He'll send a waft of his essence towards you to remind you of how great he really is. But the goal is that you would be engrossed in the flame of who he is. That his presence would be everything to you. That it would be central to who you are. The goal is not that we just come in the room and take a whiff or two and then go on with our life. The reality is, in the kingdom of God, this is how it works. This is burning inside of you right now. And some of us have chosen to put on our flame retardant gear to get close. Because we're like, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. And I don't want to go up in flames. Think about it. It's not changing what's happening inside of you. God is constant inside of you right now. It's a matter of our perception of how much we want him to invade our life. What happens is we get close, and then he asks us to put something into the flame. So he can consume it, and he can redeem it, and he can change something in our life to make us more like him. Amen? And that's the rub. That's the rub of the Christian life, right? It's that place where we're having to decide, do I let you burn this or not? doesn't feel good to me, Lord. I want to keep this. This is comfortable. At least I know how to manage this part of myself. Like if you've ever grown up in a home where somebody rages and they just blow up and explode, it's a comfortable thing because at least you know that's going to happen. You're not wondering anymore, right? But what the Lord wants us to do is take all of the me-centered stuff and one by one, as we get closer and closer to him, start dumping it in. Let him consume it and give it back to us whole, healed, redeemed, right? And so here's my challenge to you. This week, as you're spending time with the Lord, what, just ask him the question, what would it look like if I prioritized your presence in my life? I'm not saying you never watch TV again, you never read a book that's not the Bible. I'm not talking about any of that. That would be kind of like religious thinking unless the Lord is leading you to do that. What I'm talking about is you know your own heart. Nobody knows your motivations but you. So in the quietness of that place, standing next to that flame, maybe you light a candle as just like a symbolic act, and you sit there and think, okay. Lord, how do I let my guard down with you? How do I learn to value your presence? How do I learn to make your presence my priority, to make it my everything? Because the jump from here to here doesn't happen overnight. It's a little bit like a ping pong game where we try it out over here and we're doing good. and I, woo, I am living this kingdom life. And something happens and you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then you have to remember that doesn't feel like a God-centered thing. And so you're back over here and then it feels a little crazy sometimes, Right? And so in that process, we do things like Romans 12 tells us we renew our minds. First John tells us to confess our sin. We do the stuff. We do what we know we need to do to, to keep our heart tender before the Lord. All the while, we're saying, God, I want to be consumed by your presence. Amen? So here's what I want to do. I want us to just take a moment to pray. Um, I'm going to let this candle keep burning and filling the room with the goodness. But I just want to ask the Holy Spirit, what's one thing I can do to make your presence a greater priority in my life this week. And we're just going to take a second and just let God speak to us. If you're having trouble hearing him, that's okay. You can write the question down and ask again at a different time when um, it's a little bit easier for you to think. But Holy Spirit, we just want to know what's one thing we can do this week to prioritize your presence in our life. And I wanna ask one more question. I wanna encourage you guys to ask one more question and it's this, Holy Spirit, what's the lie I'm believing about your presence? Is there a lie that I'm believing about your presence? Maybe it's about how you want to be near me, whether you like me. What's the lie that I'm believing about your presence? And the last one is, is this, it's what's the truth about that lie? What can I replace that lie with? So, Lord, we want to be led by you. We wanna be the kind of people who are consumed with you, not in a weird way for weirdness sake, but just because we think you're that great. Lord, I'm asking that over these next couple of weeks, as we are um, making our way through January, Lord, that you would teach us, lead us, instruct us, guide us, Lord, genuinely, that your presence would be our favorite thing about this month. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dismiss, um, I, I had two uh, words of knowledge that I wanted to share. and. I don't wanna leave without doing this and so we're just gonna take a moment to do this but um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what a word of knowledge is. Essentially, it's, it's the Lord saying, this is something I'm aware of and I wanna do something about it. The gift of healing operates uh, no matter whether we have a word of knowledge or not. We can uh, pray and release healing and, and that's a separate thing but sometimes God says, this is really on my heart and I had two words of knowledge I wanted to share so if this is you, if you're struggling with this, um, please be bold and raise your hand because we wanna pray because this is on God's heart for you. The first one is, is there anybody having jaw issues? Um, something with your mouth or jaw related issues is there anybody like in here that has that okay awesome thank you for being honest I mean bold Um, and the second one is central back is anybody having issues with their central back pain in their back right in the middle okay awesome anybody else okay so we're going to take a second and just pray for these two things so um, if you guys are around them if you wouldn't mind just just putting your hand on their shoulder um, and and just we're just going to pray for healing because the Lord doesn't want you leaving with these things so Lord, we just release your healing right now in this place in Jesus' name. Father, we just um, thank you for the presence that's here, for your presence that's here. And so we speak to this jaw to come in line with you in the name of Jesus, for all pain to go, for every place of tenderness to be healed. Right now, we ask for just the, the balm of Gilead and the oil of the Lord to just come and, and, and soothe over all of the joints and muscles and ligaments related to that. And we speak to these two backs right now to be healed in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> we break off any place of stress or, or um Um, something that's being carried in the spirit that's not from you. We just cancel that assignment right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we release your healing. We speak to these backs. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. All pain go. All tension be released. Amen. Amen. Can we just take a second? Is there anything? Can you tell? Is it any different or better? Test it out and see. It's hot. Is it better yet? It's tingling? Okay, keep praying over there. Is it any better? Goes and comes. So is it hurting right now? Okay, awesome. Awesome. All right, so if you need prayer for anything else, I would love to pray for you. Uh, If you are newer to the church and you're ready to get involved, come tonight.